Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. for joining me welcome in everybody should be a really say, exciting episode i think it's gonna be really interesting something that will be thought provoking i uh, appreciate you tuning in on what is our last episode until valentine's day yes grab your loved one or get a swiping the day is right around the corner recording this on the 11th on friday which means you've got a few days before Monday to get those flowers, those chocolates, what have you, whatever gets you through the day. Um, and, of course, the big game is on Sunday. So uh, whatever you, your traditions are, whatever you're, whoever you're rooting for, hopefully it's the representative for the NFC side of things, especially for a lot of our fans there in the Midwest who might be disappointed after what happened at Geha Field, or, or it used to be called Arrowhead Stadium. Perhaps you really just don't want to, or maybe you're salty about what happened with Joe Burrow and just want no success to come his way from here on out. Regardless, maybe we'll get to that. Maybe we won't. doesn't really matter because this is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show, not football. Although, I guess I'm feeling pretty good about Kansas football right now. Decently, as much as you can about Jayhawk football. But, you know, after this Sunday, I, I talked about it last week. After this Sunday... After the Super Bowl, all eyes on me, as Tupac would say. And by me, I mean college basketball. So enjoy the pigskin. I think it's going to be a one-sided affair. I might be biased. But right after that, it's the home stretch, as I've said. Conference play will be winding down for about three to four weeks then conference tournaments, and then, you know, the big dog right there at the end. So I've got I've got some opinions about the Big 12. You know, I'm not really going to get too deep into the Texas game. I think everyone sort of feels similarly that was a game that Kansas let get away. And uh, because of that, that sort of inspired, let's call it my diatribe of the week. Before we do that, let's clear up the news. Let's get to the details, the nitty-gritty, the nuts and bolts of the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast home for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I believe that I would love your opinion on the stuff I'm about to spit out. So you can reach me online at JoeNasty90 on Twitter. That's the Twitter. And at JonasN310. On Instagram, if that's your preferred method of getting at somebody. Regardless, again, it's almost Valentine's Day. If that's how you're getting at someone, cool, 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 cool. Good for you. All right. So here's the deal. I was going to come on and be like, we've reached the end of what I called the gauntlet, a stretch of six games that were going to be very difficult and very well could 
make or break Kansas's regular season. And I was going to come on, break it down, talk about it. The Texas game, tough. You know, a banked three when you're up by four to narrow the lead down. Poor execution at the other end. Kansas can't get a defensive stop to save their life when it matters most. And here we are. KU gets court stormed in Austin. The wine and cheese crowd gets in there, bumps knees with Remy Martin. It's a whole hullabaloo. But it got me thinking. So this was a six-game stretch that no other team in college basketball, unless you're in the Big 12, is going to experience. Why is that? Well, it's because the conference is insane. I mean, Kansas finishes up this crazy stretch where they go on the, ro- on the road to a crazy rival in Kansas State. They play a good team in Texas Tech that was top 10 at one point being considered a top 10 team. You host a quick riser in Kentucky. You go to Hilton Coliseum and face a defensive vice grip in Iowa State. And then you take on Baylor and on the road on another ranked team at Texas with their great athletes. And Baylor, by the way, national defending champions. And it got me thinking, like, the Big, Tel- the Big 12 is insane. And we've, we've heard it on telecast. We've seen the numbers. You've seen the schedule. Every time a new game comes around, it's Oklahoma tomorrow. The team that Kansas needed a three-pointer within 10 seconds to beat on the road in Storm and Norman. And the Big 12 has maybe not been this good or this consistent from top to bottom. But this is pretty consistently, year in, year out, probably the deepest and flat out the best conference in college basketball, certainly for the last five years. I didn't go back far enough, but I'm going to go at least five years. What makes it the best conference is it's not always the teams at the top, which Kansas, or sorry, which the Big 12 has had really good teams at the top, including Kansas, including Baylor, including every now and then Texas Tech, who went to overtime in a national championship game not too long ago, including take an Oklahoma team that had Buddy Heald and made the Final Four. You added West Virginia years ago, a strong basketball school that has had strong years of recent memory going back to like 2018. Daxter Miles, you know, Jawan Statton, Press Virginia. You know I'm getting that. Javon Carter, that's the name that's escaping me right now. Javon Carter, currently in the NBA. And it got me to think, is there a chance that having this strong of a conference for so long has actually been a detriment to Kansas moving forward through March? So I don't want this to sound like, and what I'm not asking is, I don't want Kansas to be in a Gonzaga situation. A clear, very good team in a conference that is just poop. No, because I wouldn't respect Kansas, and I don't respect Gonzaga. And I don't respect Gonzaga, even though I know they're very good. I know their players are going to the NBA. When these teams play, they're clearly excellent, excellent, but I don't respect their season. Because Gonzaga just rolled through Pacific the other night. Home of the Tigers up there in Stockton, California. Don't go there at night. Which means that 
the easiest night on the on the schedule for Gonzaga is a walk in the park. Like they do just get off of the bus and start throwing down on teams in the WCC that are ranked. I don't know. They're in like the 150s to 200s in Ken Palm's rankings, and I'll be referencing Ken Palm's rankings a lot tonight or today. Whereas, and here's the numbers for the Big 12, and this is where it's about to get really crazy. The lowest ranked team for the Big 12 in Ken Pomeroy's rankings, which I think is the best analytic-based rankings out there, best way, best compilation, if you will. By the way, Pacific, I just caught it right now, right here on the, on the rankings. Pacific is ranked 272 in Ken Palm's rankings. Right behind, actually, sorry, right above UT Rio Grande Valley in the WAC. That's the company Pacific keeps. But Kansas State, the team I spit on before KU played them on the road, said this team's whatever. Nigel Pack, that's all you got to worry about. Analytically, that's the second, uh, 62nd best team in the country. And by the way, Oklahoma State, a team that's not eligible even to make the tournament, is still going to give you hell within conference play, is at 58. So the worst team in the Big 12 is ranked 62nd analytically. Take, for example, Arizona, which is a highly ranked team. Ken Palm has them at number two. He has second place UCLA at 12. The Pac-12, their number three team in the conference, probably they're arguably their best, their third best team in the Pac-12, is at 52 in Oregon. In my opinion, that's the third best team in the conference. The Pac-12 has five teams that are ranked 100 or worse. They have four teams that are 116th or worse. And they have a team in Oregon State, a team that made the tournament last year and made either the Sweet 16 or even the Elite Eight a year ago. They are ranked at 230 behind Georgia Southern. Right behind Georgia Southern is Oregon State in the Pac-12. The Big Ten, the other conference probably regarded as the best in the nation right now has teams both ranked at 102nd and 103rd. The Big 12 is beating up on itself. And this is where, obviously, the, the argument's going to come in and say, iron sharpens iron. Competition breeds elite play. Nothing wrong with a few hard games throughout the year. And you know what? That's a really admirable thing to say. But here's an idea. Maybe I don't mind if Kansas has a walk in the park type of night once in a while. Easy on the mind, easy on the bodies. You don't have to play the same guys for huge minutes over and over and over. You can learn a little bit something about the guys at the end of your bench. There's an idea. In a year where we're hemming and hawing about who should be playing and who's getting minutes and who's not getting minutes, maybe Joseph who should be playing more. Maybe Bobby Pettiford shouldn't be playing as much because he's turning it over every time. Wouldn't it be nice if you're playing against at least, you know, relatively top-level action? Not Oregon State. They're pathetic. 
I'd still rather face a Minnesota as opposed to a Pacific. And I'd rather face a Minnesota in the middle of conference play as opposed to going on the road to the 62nd best team in the conference or in the country in Kansas State. So the, the reference point I'm using is, yeah, I want some competition. And the Big 12 always has one to two to three, sometimes elite level teams. It's usually like Kansas with Baylor. Back in the early days, it was Kansas and Texas. Sometimes K-State rises up, right? There's always, it's a cycle. It's cyclical. West Virginia. Someone else usually rises up and is either the trendy preseason pick or you just know before the year, like, that's a really good team. Like I said, Oklahoma with Buddy Heald. That's a really good team. They're going to be tough to play. You got two games on the schedule that you really got to circle. They're going to determine seeding. They're going to determine who wins the conference regular season. And you may even face them in a final four down the road. That was certainly the case with Oklahoma. And look at the ACC. All these years, we're always like, that's a two-team conference. Yeah, it is. And you know what else? You know what else? That two-team conference has won a couple titles in recent memory. Duke hasn't won since 2015. But you know what? I would have I would rather have not won since 2015 than 2008. Carolina, they suck right now. But guess what? They won in 2017. That's a two-team league, but they're getting results. So my argument, what I'm sort of going on about right now is I think over these years, I just think the Big 12, I think there's something to it. I really do. I think the difficulty of this conference has been a bit of a detriment to Kansas. Now, I'm not blaming the Big 12 and the difficult conference for Kansas's shortcomings in the tournament. You know, a tough conference isn't what kept them from not making any three-pointers against VCU in the Elite Eight. A tough conference didn't cancel the season in 2020, obviously. You know, a tough conference isn't the reason Kansas had no athleticism against USC last year. But, you know, maybe Kansas is a little bit more rested against VCU. Maybe the legs are still under them, missing all those threes. I think there's something here. Let me know I'm crazy. Let me know your thoughts. I mean, that's just insane that the worst team in a, co- in a conference is at 62. I mean, the SEC, well, I mean, one of the teams is Missouri, so take that for what it's worth. But the SEC has a couple teams in the hundreds as well. And teams like Kentucky, teams like Arizona this year. Teams like Purdue, who did, who did lose last night in the Big Ten to a struggling Michigan team, are just feasting on this weak competition. Whereas Kansas is going to play TCU eventually, and should they struggle, people are going to look at it and be like, Kansas versus TCU, mm, probably should have done more of that matchup. But TCU is not even that bad, at least analytically. And again, I'll say it again. Can, uh, the Big 12 has a team that is not eligible to even make the tournament that's still going out there, still grinding. I'm not a Mike Boynton fan, the coach of Oklahoma State, who KU will see on Monday. 
but I still got them out there. And analytically, they are the 58th best team in the country. <laughs> it's, in, it's insane. It is insane. And so to me, I think there's an argument to be had, right? A, a team like Kansas goes out there. They lose to Texas. It hurts their seeding. And again, the argument could easily be made that if you're ranked one, if you're seated one through three, certainly one or two in the NCAA tournament, you should be doing work regardless. But that seeding here or there could affect your matchup moving forward, just one game down the line. You know, as if you're a one seed, you get that eight, nine in the next game, usually pretty favorable. If you're a two seed, things change a bit down at the bottom half of the bracket. If you're a three, obviously it goes from there. So I think there's a point to be made. And I think at this point, because I'm ready to call it a drought. I am. 2008 is a while ago. So I want to make sure I clarify things. I like some competition. I like the sort of two-team system that the ACC has with some solid teams below that from time to time. I don't mind a few good teams, and I really don't want just a weak conference like the Pac-12. Like the Pac-12 is a bad power conference. Like the lack of competition and this, that, whatever's happened to the Pac-12, here's how it's manifested itself. The Pac-12 hasn't had a national champion in basketball since 1997. That is a drought. That was the Arizona Wildcats. They haven't even had a runner-up. They haven't had a team make the championship game since 2006. UCLA losing to uh, the Florida Gators, the first of the back-to-back titles for Joakim Noah, Al Horford, uh, Billy Donovan, 06-07 Florida Gators. Whew. Those teams. Yes, UCLA made the Final Four last year. Yes, Oregon has made the Final Four in recent years. But not even make the championship game since 06. Not even win a title since 97 with teams like Arizona, UCLA, Oregon again. Come on, what's happening? So that's not what I want out of my home team's conference. But, you know, I think the point's been hammered on. Anywho, appreciate you listening. This is the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. Um, So the gauntlet's finished. Here's how the results ended up going. Miracle win against Kansas State. Double overtime against Texas Tech. Blowout against Kentucky. Impressive win against Iowa State. Unbelievable win against Baylor. And then some disappointment against Texas. So my overall grade for the gauntlet for the six-game stretch, as Kansas prepares to face the two Oklahoma schools, again, no walk in the park, and then going to West Virginia. It's insane. It is insane. I'm going to give it... I want to say B plus, but that feels a little too positive because Kansas was atrocious for the first half against K-State. Wonderful in the second in Manhattan and for the entire game against Baylor. 
really poor against Kentucky. Not impressed by the win against Texas Tech. Would have been if they finished it off in regulation in the way they were playing for 35 minutes. Texas game, tough scene, road game. Back end of a six-game stretch, like I said. So B plus, B, B plus. Now all you got to do is have an afternoon game on CBS, which spells doom. Luckily, it's at home against the Sooners. Let's talk really quickly about that game against Oklahoma. If you remember, Kansas beat the Sooners 67-64 to earlier in the conference season. Big performances by Christian Brown, who had the last three-pointer within 10 seconds with a hand in his face to win the game. Jalen Wilson had a really solid 16 points as well on 6 of 10 shooting. Again, it's going to come down to how is David McCormack going to do against the Groves bros, especially against Tanner Groves, who he held the 4 of 13 shooting and only 8 points in that first matchup. That was a huge win for Kansas and a big part of why they were able to escape Norman with that victory. Do keep in mind this was a game Kansas was starting to run away with. And then Ochai Abaji hurt his wrist, remember? Ended up only scoring 10 points on 4 of 11 shooting, was clearly hampered. And if I remember correctly, I want to say this is the game where KU missed all those shots, right? Didn't they have that brutal stretch? But the problem is, it describes all the games for Kansas. So I think Kansas is the better team. I know they're the better team. It's at home, but you bring in Jordan Goldwire, the guy who used to play for Duke. You have Gibson, who leads the team in scoring. You have the Groves brothers, you know, and you have a coach in Porter Moser who coaches really good pack line defense. This is a, another tricky conference game, even for a team that's four and seven in conference. Yeah, that's sort of, as we wind it down, that's sort of just like my issue with this team, right? This Kansas team, this group. There's like bits and pieces. We're like, yeah, this is it. This is a team that I feel good about going into March. And that's like the beginning of the Texas game. That's the whole Baylor game, the Michigan State game at the beginning of the year, unfortunately. But it's the long scoring droughts, right? That seemed to bite them just about in every single ball game. And it cost them against Kentucky, obviously. It hurt them against Texas. It's these droughts. It's these mind-numbing mistakes sometimes. It's the rotations that you question, but we don't really know what's going through Bill Self's mind. It just feels like there's something being left on the table with this group. And every time I say this, they go out and put on performances for the ages. I thought they were going to lose to Baylor. I did. And then they came out and played the best defense of the year. Here, here I am one week later, right? After the Baylor game. Best defensive performance of the year. Out-efforted. Fought for every rebound. You know, they sort of took their foot off the pedal in the second half, but it was a 30-point game. They did well within the first four minutes of the second half to make sure Baylor knew, you're not getting back in this one. They kept James Akinjo out of the lane. It was like everything you could have wanted out of this Kansas team. And then they go on the road and have a tough time with Texas. So 
I just feel like there's scraps on the table that I'm just reaching for that I want this team to take hold of and go on this run because I see the potential, I think. Anyways, enjoy the game tomorrow. Should be a really fun weekend of college basketball on top of uh, the big game number 56 in Inglewood, California. Enjoy all of that. Enjoy Valentine's Day on Monday, if you if you will. Chocolates, teddy bears, roses, Hallmark cards, the whole nine yards. Hallmark cards, the whole nine yards. All of it. Um, have a great weekend. Stay safe. Where I'm at is excruciatingly hot. I don't know how things are across the country. It's February. It shouldn't be like this. But anyways, I appreciate your time. Let me know your thoughts on everything that's been said here. But until next week, rock job. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.